There are way too many gray hairs in this service not to have a lot of that, right? Back hurts occasionally, a backache, knees hurt, your elbows hurt. One of the ways you wake up in the morning and know you're alive is that something's hurting. You can be thankful for another day of, of life and a little bit of pain. We understand what it is like to experience physical pain. What about emotional pain? You know, I submit to you this morning that a lot of times the worst pain is not the pain in the back or the pain in the neck, but it's the pain in the heart, isn't it? In Matthew chapter two, uh, chapter 1, we are going to look today uh, at a pain in the heart. Now, there's a lot of different kinds of pains in the heart when we lose someone we love. We're not going to talk about that kind of pain. We're going to talk about a different kind of pain in the heart today. And here's what I want to begin with and ask you. Have you ever really been hurt by someone? Now, I'm not going to try to get you to dwell and meditate on some past pains or some present pains. But I think the answer to that, I know from each of you today is that you have been hurt by someone. You have experienced some, uh, some heartache and some sadness. Someone's let you down. They've betrayed you. They've turned on you. Something's happened in that relationship where it's not a relationship anymore. Well, our main character this morning can relate. In verse 18... It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Now, that's very positive, correct? Amen. Jesus is fixing to be born. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, before they had any kind of relational intimacies, what's that saying? She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to touch on verse 19 because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her secretly or privately. Let me explain to you what's going on here, because it's so easy to get lost in 2,000 years and forget the context here and forget the heartache and the pain that's represented here. In Galilee, where Jesus was going to live, where Joseph and Mary lived, a part of Israel, the marriage process for a Jewish person was a three-step process. One was the engagement, and the engagement could take place when you were seven or eight years old. Your parents or a professional matchmaker could have matched you up with someone. I still wake up in cold sweats thinking what my parents would have done to me there. <laughs> they wouldn't, I know my father, he, they wouldn't have been thinking about beauty. We're going to find him a very smart young lady. Well, Dad, you know, that's good, but you've got to look at her every day, too. Um, I'm sorry for saying that, but that's just the truth, isn't it? And beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, for sure. But the engagement, and then there was the pledge stage, which was a stage that lasts about a year. And then the marriage ceremony formal after this one year of pledge. Now, depending on your Bible, your Bible may translate that as spouse, but spouse pledge are the same thing. Now, the, the interesting thing, the strange part, was not only they getting engaged at eight years old, but this pledged or espoused stage that Joseph and Mary, very important, Joseph and Mary are in right now. This lasted for one year. 
Okay, one year before the wedding. If you, in other words, you're going to get married on July the 4th, 2012. You got pledged on July the 11th, or July 4th, 2011. And for one year, you are considered husband and wife. It can only be broken by divorce or by death. you get that? Divorce or death. The catch is, she still lives with daddy. And there is no sexual relations supposed to happen at all during this time. It's kind of a finalized, formal, it had to be a hard year when you really love this person, but step in the process. And then you got married. It's during this pledge time that Mary comes to Joseph and she tells him, I am pregnant. Now we know, oh my goodness, this is a virgin birth. This is tremendous. This is the Son of God. The first person not to believe the virgin birth was Joseph. Now, he did come to believe it, absolutely. But you read in this text, what the text says is, it says that we'll get in this more in a moment. Joseph was ready to end the relationship because she's pregnant and he knows it's not his. Now, men, I want you to think with me How crushing would that have been? You know, if you're behaving yourself properly, you don't have to go take blood tests, DNA tests, paternity tests. If there has been no relations between you and that person, it's not your baby. Amen? Joseph knew it wasn't his. And Joseph at first did not buy into the fact that this was a supernatural thing of God and it was the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the emotions that he had to be feeling? Can you imagine how he felt? I was dumb enough to ask my wife this week. I said, Cindy, from a woman's perspective, if, if your fiancé who you're married came to you and said, I've got another woman pregnant, would that be devastating? She said, of course it would be devastating. Think about that, women, from your perspective. What a horrible, heartache, devastating thing that was. And see, our problem again is a lot of times we miss this because we jump ahead of the story 2,000 years. Now, I'm telling you today, this has not happened to you, nor it will never happen to you. Uh, There was one virgin birth, and there won't be another. But you don't have to go through the exact thing Joseph and Mary went through to be extremely hurt by someone. Yes, for sure, sometimes we play up things that aren't meant to be as devastating to us as they actually are, but sometimes they are. Sometimes someone you love hurts you deeply, lets you down deeply, betrays you. Someone you thought you had a bond with and a loyalty with, you find out that the truth is... You were just another card in their deck. You were there for a while, but when they, it was time to move on to something else, you just got pushed aside. Am I speaking language you understand? I believe I am. Everybody in here knows what it's like to have a deep hurt from someone else, don't we? So we don't have to even debate that. We know that. Now, the question this hour is, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? How do we handle the betrayal, the denial, the slander, the gossip, 
the person who we thought was a lifelong friend who won't even talk to us anymore. That person we had a deep commitment with, we don't have a commitment at all with anymore. How do we handle this? How do we handle our relational problems? In Montgomery, Alabama, a few months back at the New Welcome, they need to change the name of the church too, the New Welcome Baptist Church, I'm not making any of this up, the pastor, Wayne, decided on Sunday, bad mistake on Sunday, the pastor, Reverend Darrell Riley, to dismiss the music minister. Now, couldn't there be a better day to let the music minister know you're not going to use use him anymore than Sunday morning? You agree? Monday morning, that's six other days of the week morning. So he details the ministry of music, Simeon Moore, your services are no longer needed here, and he writes him his final check. Well, they have a dispute right there about the, the, the amount of the check. The former, former now, minister of music, Simeon Moore, pulls out his taser, and he tases the pastor there at the church. A brouhaha pursues. Simeon Moore's 70-something-year-old mother dives in and begins fighting in the brouhaha. And one of the deacons, acting as a deacon to intervene, stabs her with a knife. Not making any of this up. Now, the great news is they went to the hospital and everybody ended up being okay. But let me tell you, that's not how you deal with your human hurts, correct? And you can't make that up, can you? Music guy tases pastor. Music man's wife in the midst of the fight gets stabbed by a deacon. You can't make that stuff up. Now, certainly you and I are much more sophisticated than that, and we wouldn't do anything like that. No, what most of us do is we'll just talk about them. We'll sneak behind their back and try to undermine them. We'll throw something out there that is an attack on their character. By the way, the Bible calls that slander. Very, very serious thing to do to someone is to slander them. Most of us in here today aren't going to punch anybody. And the the sad thing is, is we're cowardly enough to know they're not going to punch us either as Christians. So it's okay to jab back and forth verbally. No, it's not. No, we're probably not going to taste somebody. We're probably not going to stick them with a knife. But the truth is, a lot of times we don't handle our hurts like we need to. Hurts are are called hurts because they're painful, right? Because they create problems for us. How do we handle them? Let's see what Joseph did. Number one, handle the person and the situation as gently as possible. Boy, this is important. Now, let me just clarify this. Gently as possible... Sometimes people aren't going to let you handle it gently. Sometimes you're going to have to let somebody go at work. And, and they're, not going to, they're not going to go quietly. And you have to call the security. And you have to call four people to escort them out. Or you have to tell somebody, we're not going to be friends anymore. Don't call me. Don't come. And you have to be firm. I think, but the key that we begin with is we are to handle people as gently as possible. Is this not just the opposite of how we want to handle them? Verse 19, we see a beautiful thing in the midst of a horrible story because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, a godly man. 
and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know what? Wouldn't he not have been justified to expose her to public disgrace? But a godly man made a decision. That's not what he wanted to do. Folks, here's how serious adultery was in this day and age for the Jewish people. It was still a death penalty crime. In Deuteronomy 22, look it up when you get home, Deuteronomy 22, a man and a woman, a woman's pledged to be married, and she has sex with someone that's not who she's going to be married to. You know what the penalty for that was? Death. I'm not sure the Jewish people could have enforced that at this point under Roman uh, leadership, but that's how serious it was. Here was Joseph's other possibilities. He could take her before three rabbis and divorce her publicly, which would have led basically to a public disgrace. But it said he had in mind to divorce her quietly, not wanting to expose her. Literally, Literally, that word expose means to make a trophy of something. Joseph said, you know what? She has hurt me as bad and deeply as a person could be hurt. I believe that. But I'm making a choice that I'm not going to make a trophy, an example out of her, and hang her hide on the wall. His last option was to take her before two witnesses and divorce her quietly. That's the option that Joseph made. You wonder now why God chose him to be the father, the earthly father of Jesus Christ? That's not how we're made up, though, is it? Someone may say today, well, I'm not Joseph. Well, you're supposed to be like him. (laughs) Back in 2004, you got to laugh at some of these things to keep from crying. University of North Carolina, a group of Christian students got together to debate on who Jesus would vote for. This one, John Kerry was running against uh, President Bush. He was the incumbent. And you may have your idea who Jesus would have voted for in that, and me too. But they were debating on this. And, and these Christian students, while they're debating on Jesus, who Jesus vote for, they begin to holler at each other and scream at each other and get mad. Someone slaps somebody. Another person gets knocked to the floor, hits his head, has to go to the hospital, all in the name of Jesus Christ. What foolishness. Have you ever known people who were just jerks for Jesus? trying to be funny, but it's, it's sadly true, isn't it? Bullies, intimidate, aggressive, push, scream, mad. All that is just the opposite of how Jesus Christ was and how he wants us to be. Sometimes you've got to be really firm. Jesus got a whip and he drove people out of the temple because that's how they made him be in that situation. But the route you and I are to take with people who hurt us deeply when we want to strangle them or twist their heads, God says be as gentle with them as possible. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, nine qualities are listed called the fruit of the Spirit. These are the evidence that you are saved and you belong to God. The fruit of the Spirit is. These are singular. These all make one cluster. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Look at these next ones. Gentleness and self-control. Gentleness is strength under control. 
In Philippians 4, 5, listen to what God says through Paul to us. Let your gentleness, your tenderness, your kindness be evident to all. And a little warning in here, because look, the Lord is near. God hates a bully. Does this mean that you're not ever supposed to be firm and direct with people? No, sometimes you have to be. Sometimes they won't let you be tenderly gentle. You've got to be firmly gentle. But in in the toughest of situations, how does God say to handle it? Number one, be as gentle as you possibly can. Number two, hear God on the issue. Boy, this is important. Now, certainly being gentle is hearing God. That's clear. But someone's hurt you. Someone's let you down. Someone's broke your heart. Someone's disappointed you. You make a choice. The idea here with Joseph in that scriptures was that he made a choice to be as gentle as possible. And then we see in verse 19 again, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want exposure to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And verse 20, just the first of it, but after he had considered this, he was going to hear God on it. Now, I, I know, listen, when you tell people, hear what God has to say, it gets weird quick sometimes, doesn't it? Listen, as a pastor someday, I'm going to write a book called God Told Me. And I'm going to just share stories that people have told me. God told me. Most of the time when they come to me and say that, it involves justifying their behavior or something mean they want to do that God has said that was okay for them to do, which they never had heard God on. Associated Press had a story in November this, this year of a guy in Andover, Maine. Broke into a house, was caught by the police. When the police got him to the police station, began to question him. Here's what he said, and I'm telling you the truth, that his dog and Jesus Christ had told him to break into that house. And while he was there, his dog... And Jesus Christ had told him he was going to meet the country singer Taylor Swift and they were going to get married in the backyard. How many of you believe that guy didn't hear God? <laughs> See, a lot of times when we hear people say, God told me, we're hearing justification or we're hearing maybe some mental stuff's not all there. But folks, God does speak. God does speak. And you know, number one, where he speaks the clearest and the loudest is in his word. You say, I don't know what to do about this person or this situation. I understand. I'll walk that road with you. Make a choice that you're going to be as gentle as you can be. Number two, make a choice you're going to hear God. Most of us aren't going to hear God. We're not going to be quiet enough. We're not going to be pure enough in our hearts. I'm challenging us this morning, make a choice to hear God. Hear him in his word. Lyndon Johnson, as many of you know, was the president after John F. Kennedy was assassinated and was reelected in 64. Johnson made an interesting statement one time. He said, doing what's right is not hard, but knowing what's right is hard. I think if you studied the life of Lyndon Johnson, you might question him on whether doing what was right was easy <laughs> or not or whether he chose that route all the time, like all of us. 
But I would disagree with him on another point. One way you can know what's right is by studying the Bible. God will speak to you. Say, I don't know what to do about this person. Get your nose in the book. Secondly, listen to the Holy Spirit in your heart. In verse 20, it says, After he considered this, he was praying, he was thinking, he was meditating, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, guys, let me tell you something that's neat. You don't need an angel to come speak to you if you're a Christian. You know why? You've got God in you. Now, this is a four-hour sermon and theological treatise that I'll let Vance meet with you and Andy after this to answer all your questions. But the Holy Spirit did not come to live in believers, everybody, until Pentecost, after the, the death and resurrection of Christ. But if you're a Christian this morning, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And as you pray and you say, God, show me what to do about that person or that situation. Listen to what the Spirit says. Never go against the Bible. Never go against the Bible. Break in a house, marry a country singer. Never going to go against the Bible. Listen for that peace. Listen for that uneasiness. Listen for that still, small voice of God to guide you in that relationship or that situation. And here's the third thing. Man, obey God no matter what. Decide to obey God no matter what He tells you. Verse 24 and 25, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union, no sexual relation with her, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, again, this is cute and neat and sweet. This was very difficult. Took a huge step of faith. We forget the abuse, the slander. Even 30-something years later, we believe there's a place or two when the Pharisees accused Jesus of being illegitimate from what happened 30-something years earlier. Joseph was making a choice to obey God when other people were not going to understand at all. They, some of them probably weren't going to agree, telling him he's making a mistake, he's making their own decision. But he heard God and he made a choice, I'm going to obey God completely. I want to ask you this morning, will you do that? Will you make a choice to handle gently? Will you make a choice to say, God, through your word, through the Holy Spirit, show me what to do in this this relationship. Show me what to do with this person that's driving me crazy, that's hurting me. Show me what to do. And then, will you do what he tells you to do? Don't make up your mind ahead of time what he's telling you to do. Let him tell you what to do. And then obey him. And let me tell you something great. When we obey God, when we do it His way, we throw all the responsibility for success or failure on Him. Isn't that good? When you say to God, I'm going to do it your way, I'm going to obey you, you're saying to God, God, if this sinks or this flies, you know what, God? You're responsible. And I promise you, God will take care of us when we do.
God will take care of us when we do. I want to give you two little thoughts on this. Sometimes God will supernaturally take care of the situation. Sometimes supernaturally God's going to come in and and things will just miraculously take care of themselves. Verse 21 through 23, she, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will give him the name Emmanuel, which means God's with us. Hey, the rest of the story turned out great, didn't it? I mean, we're here today celebrating. We've got beautifully decorated stage today because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. It worked out great, but let me remind you, there was a lot of pain between that point in the next 30-something years. And God can come in and He can heal a relationship. He can change things. He can make things wonderful again. Doesn't mean there won't be some pain in that, but God can do it. But let me give you a second thing that I think is real important to hear. No matter what happens, if we'll let Him, God will take care of us. Okay, let me give you some bad news. Some people aren't going to change. Some people, no matter how much gentleness and kindness you give them, they're not going to get it. They're not going to admit it. They're not going to be willing to to make the corrections, to do what that has to be done for reconciliation. Reconciliation always takes two, correct? I can want to be your friend all day long, but if you don't want to be my friend, we're not going to be friends. I can want everything to be great between us, or you can, but if, if it's not mutual, it won't happen. So what happens when you decide to handle it gently, when you decide to hear God and handle it God's way, and you're laying your heart on the altar? What happens when that other person rejects that? And it's going to happen to you. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. I want to give you the great news this morning. God will always take care of the person who does it his way. Situation may, may go horrible. God's going to take care of you. Isn't that good news? There's a beautiful old, old song. In fact, it's 100 years old. God will take care of you. How many of you know this song? Nobody will know it in the second service, but you all do. I'll sing it to him then. I won't sing it to you. I, I just want to share with you a, a few stanzas of this. Be not dismayed, whatever may be, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. And the refrain says, God will take care of you through every day, over all the way. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. And the last verse says, no matter what may be the test, is there any tougher test than human pain? God will take care of you. Lean, weary one, upon his breast, because God will take care of you. Let's pray. Father, I know there's people here this morning that are hurting, that are confused. I pray even now that you'll speak to their hearts, God. 
give them some, some direction, some peace. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that's not a Christian. In a, in a room this size, this many people, somebody here undoubtedly does not know you as their Savior. If that might be you today, would you pray with me right where you're seated? Just pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's Son who died for me. And I ask you now, come into my heart. I ask you now to be my Lord and Savior. Let me have your attention just for a moment. Just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand and respond to Christ today. Maybe you just prayed with me and asked Christ in your heart, or maybe you're ready to do that. Will you today, will you come, talk to a minister, let them help you with this decision, greatest decision you can make, foundation of everything else. Maybe today you'd like to join our church family. We would love for you to do that. And a church family is meant to help you along all the bumps and the bruises of the way. Come and join us today. The rest of us, everyone here who is a Christian, we need to make a couple of decisions, whether it's at the altar, where we're standing. Number one, if you and I are the one who is being the difficult person, repent of that. Make a choice to stop hurting people. Make a choice to be right with God and others. And certainly every one of us here has experienced this pain. Maybe you are today. Will you make a choice to handle it the way God wants you to? i got to correct one little thing of that song. God will take care of us if we do it His way. That's key. Make that choice, Christian. Let's stand. And as we sing, respond to God this morning.